the craziest thing happened to me last year. On the 10th of March, I nervously went along to my first breathwork class with Michelle Baker. What followed was such a trip and one of the most beautiful experiences of my life. The active breathing meditation that she led us through brought me to a place of pure wholeness and oneness that is really hard to describe but the countless mystics and poets have put words to before me. The very next day, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 a pandemic. I don't know how I would have navigated this year without Michelle and Breathwork. I am so grateful for that divine timing. I'm also so grateful that she joined me as a guest on Like a Prayer. So here's Michelle, quite fittingly, talking about the magic of synchronicity. Magic for me is always experienced in the moments that feel like uh, synchronicity. And I think the last time I experienced it was probably last night we took, so we have a puppy and he's gonna be 10 weeks old this week. And we decided to randomly go to the beach and he hasn't been to the water yet. He hasn't been on the sand yet. And it was such a beautiful sunset. And I don't, I haven't been to the ocean so long and we live maybe five minutes away, like a five minute walk, not even a drive. And um, so yeah, it was just like an orange and pink, like cascading over the ocean. And then you have this little puppy that's running around and it was just so, I was so present. Being present is a beautiful way to open this conversation, I think, because breath work has given me a whole heap of gifts, but that's certainly one of them. As I was saying to you when I messaged you, it's really interesting that this week is the week that I get to talk with you because it's also exactly one year. I think it was a Tuesday night one year ago that I had my first ever breathwork session with you right before the pandemic really kicked off here. And I remember it being honestly one of the most sacred experiences of my entire life and just coming out completely shocked and confused and in love with the whole happening. And I wanted to know, because I remember you saying in that, in that class that it was going to be something that would be difficult to describe to people in my life, because it, it is, which is an interesting challenge for a podcast. But I wanted to know what your first experience was like when you tried breath work. Was it something that connected straight away? That's such a good question. It's actually, no one usually ever asks me that actually. Um, it is something that connected right away. So it was something that a woman that I went to for Reiki and acupuncture suggested. It was um, something that she had recently studied and recently dove a little bit more into. And I went to one of her group sessions at a place in Brooklyn called Maha Rose. And there was so many of us in this room. I mean, definitely couldn't do it nowadays, 
But I think we had um, just regular like yoga blankets all across the floor and wherever you could find a spot, you lay down. And I think, I don't remember being super prepared for it. We went around the circle, we introduced ourselves, you know, a little bit similar to what I do in classes. And yeah, we kind of just dove right in and I had full trust in her. And so I think that let me kind of surrender a little bit more to a process that I had no idea what I was getting into. And I remember, I remember when I was on the floor breathing, my hand started to kind of cramp. I was like, oh my God, what's happening? And she came over and she put these rose quartz crystals in my hands and I automatically felt grounded. And then my, my mouth started to cramp. I don't know if you ever felt this in breath work where it goes to like an O shape. I was like, oh God, <laughs> what's happening? And then people around me were like bursting out in laughter. And then someone to my left was like bursting out in tears. And I was just like, what is happening right now? And so I started cracking up, which led me to like a really, really deep cry. And then I remember she had such a good playlist. It was Purple Rain um, by Prince. And oh, it just, like, the whole room just flooded. Um, but I remember being so, well, at first I was really nervous because I was a chef at the time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to use my hands. Like, are my hands going to stay like this? <laughs> and it was fine, of course. But afterwards, I remember in that rest phase. So right after you do the active breath work, you take a rest for a good 10, 12 minutes. And you rest in all that beautiful energy and space that you just made for yourself. And it was such, you know, talk about the word presence. It was so unlike anything else I've ever experienced. And I had been doing meditation for a long time and yoga for a long time. Um, and I couldn't believe I could feel that peaceful and that I feel like the word blissful gets thrown around a lot, but it's kind of how it felt just so at ease. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I remember getting up from that session, knowing I was going to teach it. And I was so, yeah, I was so enthralled by it all. I loved it. And it took me a while. It took me, that was in 2015. So it was the same year I started studying Reiki and it was the same year I met Frederick and I was studying yoga. So I kind of found everything within a few months of each other. And uh, I decided to study Reiki first. And then it was 2018 that I went on to study breathwork. It sounds like a big year with all that happening. Yeah. Yeah. That was 2015. That was a big year. <laughs> I absolutely love your description of going from laughter to going to a big cry and then feeling completely at bliss mm -hmm. because it resonates a lot with both my first experience and experiences I've had after mm -hmm. that. But I've always been curious to know, now that you have gone into teaching it, what is it like witnessing people go through that? I think it feels like one of the biggest honors. It's so humbling to be able to, it almost makes me emotional. It's so humbling to be able to hold that space and to watch people move through whatever they need to move through that the breath kind of sweeps up for them. Um, and it also can be, you know, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of work that everyone's going through and they go deep into the trenches and so it can be emotional to hold that space. It can be thrilling to hold that space. It can feel like magic. 
it can feel, it, it feels so sacred. Um, but it can also feel like a lot of work. <laughs> you know, you got to be really super, super present and super there with everyone. Especially when you're getting into bigger groups. It's a little bit different one-on-one -on -one than it is with group because you got to really hold that container and know who to go to and who might need you and who might need to be left alone for a little while and who to encourage and is it a good time to make a sound now? Do we all need it? And, uh, taking care of the collective that way. But I say it after every class and I, and I really, really hope it doesn't water it down, but it is such an honor to hold that space. Mm. I think that idea of witnessing people doing the work is really interesting. And it makes me think of your program coming home. Um, which for our listeners is six weeks or six sessions and weeks with rituals attached to them where each week focuses on a different age. Would that be the right way to describe it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like a different version of the self. And we start with the beginning self, which could be, you know, at least for this program, how I describe it is anywhere from being in the womb all the way up into 12 months old. And then there's the child self, which would be 12 months old, all the way up into 12 years old. And that's a really broad range. And it's, um, you know, so it's, I always encourage people to go back and revisit and do the breath work again and see what age comes up the second time around or the, you know, 10th time around. And then we go on to the teenage self, the growing self, the current self, and then the mm -hmm. elder self. It's, it's such a beautiful program and a beautiful concept. I'm so curious to know in teaching this, because I believe you're in your second round of teaching this or you've just finished. Yeah. I would love to know what has surprised you after creating this program and watching people go through it? What didn't you expect? I think a lot of different moments surprised me throughout. Um, I take myself through the program as well. I don't, I take it, I'm like, oh, I start like a couple of weeks before everyone else starts. Um, and it's been so surprising how, how brave everyone is and how vulnerable people are willing to be within the group. And I think that can be incredibly healing for each other and how different our experiences are. I think, you know, I can take somebody through kind of what my experience is, and I might write a little bit about, okay, these are some things that I might talk about with the beginning self or the child self, because that was my experience, clearly knowing that's not everyone's experience, but hearing other people's experiences and how different they can be, um, incredibly inspiring to hear. I didn't know that you took yourself through the program too. Which rituals have had the biggest impact on you when you've been doing the program? Okay, a lot of the rituals are ones that I had before the program. So it's usually, for the most part, it's kind of why I incorporated in, them in. Um, but more so the, like the supported list and the trust list. So I have people write a list of, um, sometimes I have them write uh, one through, for me, it would be one through 34. So one through the age that you are and write down. So I would write down 34 things that I trust. And that's a lot. And that can be a lot for a lot of people. 
even to think about what we trust, because what I might trust today, I, what if I don't trust it tomorrow? You know? Um, and then the other one is the supported list. So I'd write down 34 things that I feel like support me, whether it's the oxygen that I breathe um, or the sun on my skin or the gravity that holds me here or the earth that holds me up or a parent or a, a partner, anything that supports me, 34 things. Writing things like that make me feel like I'm not alone. It's especially an important tool mm -hmm. for moving, you know, what feels like across the world from where I grew up. Yeah. Absolutely. That's an interesting thing for us to take up is your move to Sweden. And something I've been thinking about is, um, I know in my own practice, breath work has really brought me closer to myself and given me clarity around my inner voice and my intuition. So I've been curious to know what role did your intuition play in your decision to move to Sweden? Mm. I don't know. I don't know if it was, I don't know if I would label it intuition. Mm. It doesn't feel like the, it doesn't feel like it was in, intuitive. It just felt like it was. Like it's just like, this is the, it just felt like the obvious next step, even though you know, my 18 year old self wouldn't have thought it was obvious. And myself at the time was like, where is Sweden? <laughs> and so it wasn't, it just felt right. Like it, it didn't feel like an, I don't know that I would label that as intuitive. It just felt right. Wow. I don't think I've said that about anything. <laughs> yeah, that's fascinating. Because as you said, moving to Sweden is in one way, so not the obvious choice <laughs> but for sure <laughs> I think it's clearly been you've been able to create a community here that's been really interesting to mm. see and correct me if I'm wrong but you're working in Gothenburg and Stockholm and Umeå and Valberg mm -hmm. all over the country mm -hmm. yeah it's been a fun journey I'd love to know a little bit about what it's been like to create a community across Sweden like that. I think, so love is what brought me here. And I think that's why the move here just felt mm -hmm. right. Or maybe natural is the, is the more fitting word because I was so in love. Of course, I would follow that. Of course, I would take, I would go where love was going to take me. Um, but coming here and having been here for four and a half years, although my love is so strong with my partner, I think having had this community is what's kept me here. Because it's become like a life force for me mm -hmm. to have like-minded people and to have people that I can talk to about with just about everything. And it's one thing to, you know, I had the benefit of moving somewhere that my partner grew up. So we have, I've made a lot of friends through him, but I don't know how, how you feel, but for me, I also wanted to make my own friends and friends that I could talk to about anything. And it wasn't mm -hmm. Frederick's friend first or yeah, someone I can meet on my own accord. And teaching has offered me that 
you know, so, so many of my students have become dear friends and so many of my dear friends have become students and there's such an intermingling of that. And, you know, that might be for another podcast, but, um, but community has really been my anchor for staying in Sweden for, for a while now. Yeah, I think that's, it's such a beautiful thing to hear. And for me, an expansive thing to hear because I'm moving in amongst these sort of international communities in Sweden. You can often hear stories about it, it being difficult to, to meet people and for me to see, see you thrive in that and be able to undo my own story around that is a really beautiful thing. Mm, I love to hear that. I hear that story a lot as well. And I don't know. I think it, it's all what we make it. You know, mm. it can be, no matter where we go, it can be difficult, especially if you don't speak the language. That's mm. my biggest barrier in Sweden, the guilt and the shame of not speaking the language. Yeah. Yeah. I resonate with that. Mm. And it's for me very interesting to watch that come up in breathwork when I feel mm. that around my throat or um, my mouth. And I, I think it's really cool to see what you're doing, but also interesting. How did the traveling aspect of your work come, come up? How did you end up sort of running these, these sessions in so many different cities in Sweden? Um, I think it was because we have a festival here in Varberg called California. Um, and it happens every year. Of course, it didn't happen last year. And I don't think it's going to happen this year, at least not to the extent it used to happen at. And it's this big, like three, four day festival that takes over our whole town. And there's yoga and meditation and um, surfing and music and just a whole bunch of events, uh, skateboarding and like competitions. And it's so fun to see our town come alive. And I was asked to teach yoga there. I guess it was the summer of 2017 and it was where I met a few people who owned studios in different in different towns so one woman in particular her name is Petra and I met she was from Luliu and she asked if I would come up to Luliu and teach Reiki um, yeah I think she had come to the yoga studio I had as well and I used to do a class with restorative and Reiki so she kind of dove a little bit into the practice in that way, I think. But I think it was because of California, I got to meet some other teachers who had studios who were wanting to bring this practice more into their life. And so if I traveled to their studio and taught, they could be students. Mm -hmm. um, and then that brought some more students in and uh, traveling's in my blood. So it's been so, it's been also feeling a different, a different part of my soul to be able to see beautiful country mm, yeah absolutely um i have, want to pick up on the idea of traveling because something that you've taught me and that i've been thinking a lot about lately is the idea of and i hope i express this in a way that works but the idea of calling in parts of yourself mm. before you leave yeah um how did that, how did you discover that practice and what does that look like for you? Um, I don't know. I, I don't know how I discovered it. I've had many teachers over the years and I feel horrible. I don't remember who taught me it. Um, but a long, 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 long time ago, 
Uh, I was moving, I moved a lot when I lived in New York City. So I moved from a, diff a couple different apartments. And before I left um, Brooklyn to move to um, Sweden, yeah, I learned it. I just don't remember who from. And it was to, as I was cleaning my apartment and packing everything up, to remember to call myself back in so that I didn't leave any of my energy behind. And so that I, I, I packed me too, not just my things. It's, it's such a beautiful image and it's been such an interesting practice mm -hmm. for me. Um, How has it looked for you? For me, I've, well, the funny thing is, I guess you and I first talked about this right during the pandemic. So I guess mm -hmm. I thought I would be traveling more than I, <laughs> more than I have been, but it has been something I've like, um, especially if I feel like I've spent a lot of energy in one place then it feels especially important for me to call myself in before I, before I leave. Mm -hmm. um, particularly I trade it before going on a, uh, going on a plane trip, both going there and coming back. And that was a really grounding experience for me. Yeah. It's nice to feel like you have all of you with you when you're going somewhere mm -hmm. and it can be so simple. Lots of times I'll teach during a breathwork practice to whisper your own name. So many people don't say their own name out loud ever. And so just to feel that vibration run through yourself of like whispering your name as if it was like the sweetest lullaby to call yourself back home. Speaking of coming home, to circle back to mm -hmm. your program, I'm curious about how you came up with the name for it. It's a great question. I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not sure how I came up with the name for that one. Um, no, I don't know. I don't know where it popped up or how that popped up, mm. which happens often. I also have a program called The Journey, and I don't remember how that one happened either. <laughs> I think it's just like how, you know, just something comes to you and you just hold on to it. And I think I actually, the name... For the journey, the name came after creating the program. For coming home, the name came before. I knew right away it was going to be coming home and recollecting oneself. Yeah. And what would you say that means to you now, that phrase, coming home? Hmm. I think it depends on what my definition of home is, hmm. which changes often and Sometimes I feel like almost daily of what home means. Um, but coming home, I don't know, kind of just being where I am, allowing myself to be where I am. If I'm in Sweden, I'm in Sweden. If, if I can't let it be that big, you know, then if I'm in my right leg, I'm in my right leg. If I'm in my left mm -hmm. arm, I'm in my left arm. If I can be in my body, I can be in my body. If I can be in the room that I'm in, I can be in the room that I'm in. And that's my home for now. And if that feels too, um, what's the word? Uh, claustrophobic. Mm. And I go, okay, earth. I'm home. This is my home, exactly where I need to be. 
So for me, it, it always just depends on what's going on in my life in the moment. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. Does that answer your question? <laughs> it, it really does. And I'm also just so curious to see how much of our conversation comes back to being present. Mm. It really, it, it's fascinating to me. Has it been something, have you always felt at ease being in the present like that? Or has it been something that you've been working at actively? It hasn't always felt at ease. And I think I can only know that by hindsight. Um, and I don't know if I've, I think of course I've been actively working on it through meditation and um, different practices and different tools, especially writing. Writing can um, usually bring me in the moment, but um, writing in pranayama or any kind of breath work is my quickest tools for being present. But uh, you know, in my teens and up through my twenties, I was battling such a brutal eating disorder. And so I think being present was the last thing I wanted to be. I wanted to be, I wanted to be anywhere, but in my body. That was the absolute last place I wanted to be. And if someone told me to be in my body or that my body was this beautiful tool or beautiful home that housed my soul, I wouldn't have been able to take it in. Mm. And I remember one of my, it wasn't my first breathwork experience, but it was the breathwork experience that led me to actually get sign up for the training. It was November, 2017. I was with my teacher, Ali Bogard, and we were doing a breathwork practice. Um, as a group, it was like a retreat setting, a similar breathwork practice, but not, not, not totally the same. Um, but the same active, we were lying down, we were breathing in and out of our mouths, I think. Um, but we were kind of going to the same destination or same intention for the practice. And I remember so vividly, I was breathing and I had, I don't know, it was almost like an out-of-body, in-body experience. And I remember thinking, oh my God, all my soul has ever wanted was for me to welcome it into my body, was for me to really make my body a home and to love it and to take care of it and to invite it in and to let it be part of this human process or, you know, this time on earth. And for my whole life, I just wanted to disassociate with it. I didn't want to be my body. I didn't want to be in my body. And, and that, I just cried and I cried and I cried. It was like one of those, one of those ones that you try to hold back, but you're like, <sighs> and you just can't. And I remember my she came over and she put her hand on my forehead and it felt like such a, it was exactly what I needed in the moment to feel so grounded and so present while having such a, I don't even know how to describe that experience. I don't tell a lot of people about it actually yeah. because it feels a little bit too, um, feels like it might be a little bit too out there. And, but it was one of the most beautiful conversations I think I've ever had with my body was that moment and that practice. And that's what led me to practicing and going on to teach breath. Mm -hmm. I'm really so grateful that you shared that story mm -hmm. because I understand what you mean. And I think the funny thing is breath work is really out there. I find <laughs> to talk about. 
<laughs> totally. <laughs> it really is. I remember the, the, uh, the, when I first left your breath work the first time, the, all that was going through my mind was just, holy shit, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And I, I want to kind of delve into that the out there-ness of breath work mm-hmm. to, to the extent that it makes sense in conversation at least yeah I'd love to know do you ever feel like you're connecting with something transcendent when you are in breath work or is it always connecting with yourself hmm. I don't I don't know if I would call it transcendent oh I love that word such a good choice of word um but it was, it's almost, and it's not myself either. I mean, of course I'm connecting to parts of myself. I think breathwork has, you know, invited me into parts of my body that I've forgotten about or that I've neglected or abandoned. Um, but also it, it's connected me with a, a self that feels so much bigger than the self. <laughs> Yeah. It's so hard to put words on, but a self that feels so connected um, to something that's bigger than the body can hold. That makes yeah. sense. It does make mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, and it's always it, not always, but oftentimes it's such a a creative experience for me. Mm. It, it helps me tap into a lot of different things. And creativity is one of them, deep, deep insight. And breathwork is a tool that helps me connect a lot of the dots to things that I can't quite like, um, can't quite understand or didn't know I needed to understand in a different way or needed a new perspective on. Yeah. I resonate with that, with, with that so much. Yeah. Completely. I think something really beautiful and something that feels sacred to me that's come up so often both in breathwork and my conversations with you has been the idea of synchronicity and this, mm. for me something that feels quite transcendent in that in a way that's difficult for me to put words to as well <laughs> <laughs> but I something I was struck with a few times when speaking with you is how at peace you seem to be with synchronicity of when these sort of wild coincidences coincidences or patterns show up (laughs) you seem so accepting like yes that that is how my life works (laughs) that is Mm -hmm. that is the the plan I guess I could say has that has that been something that you've always been able to sit with or is it something that you've learned through experience I don't know that's a I never really thought about it actually I never thought not to not to trust synchronicity mm-hmm. just it feels so natural you go if it's synchronistic then of course it's how it is it's how it's meant to be <laughs> um and yeah, I never thought of it in any other way, or I never thought about my relationship to, relationship to synchronicity or synchronistic patterns. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's always kind of 
I've always, and I don't think this is always a great way to be, <laughs> but I've always been someone who I just, I oftentimes just go with it. I see it a lot with my career. I've been many different careers. Um, and I've always kind of quit my job not knowing what I was going to do next. And it just, I've, I've had some weird trust in that something's going to show up and it always has. And I think that's kind of strengthened my trust with something's going to show up and it's always been in a very synchronistic way. Like running into someone on the street, um, having meeting someone who knows a friend who also knows a friend in this field. It's just the way it's kind of worked. And so it makes me so excited to see synchronicity. It feels like magic. I don't know. What about you? What's your relationship to synchronicity? I think I've always, I've always lived with it, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think perhaps in my early 20s, there was a time when I didn't trust it so much. Um, but I've been really rediscovering the mm -hmm. magic of that this year. And breathwork's been a big, a big part of that journey for me. But for me, it always seems to show up in a way that I, I know I'm on the right path. It's a comforting mm. thing. Oh, so comforting. Mm. I think that's why it's like, it is peaceful. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Everything's going to be okay. Yeah, exactly. Do you, do you feel like you uh, have to be present to notice synchronicity? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't know. I notice a lot of synchronicity in hindsight, so that might tell you how present I, I am <laughs> on a daily basis. <laughs> um, I think you have to be, let me just open to seeing it. Mm. But I think there's so much synchronicity that happens that we don't see. Yeah. Do you think that the trust that you have I mean, it's, it's a huge amount of trust in things like being able mm -hmm. to quit your jobs and, and move on to, or have a, have a sense that something else will come. I think that a lot of people, myself included, have fears come up in those sort of situations. Do you, what would you say that you have faith in, which doesn't need to be religious faith at all, but is there any where does that trust come from? Or what is it trusting of, do you think? Mm. I don't know where it comes from. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's always been around and if it's always around. But I just, I don't know. I have, I have a trust or a faith that things are always gonna work out, whether they work out the way I thought they would or not. And I think that comes back to something that I actually do share often of, if I was 18, if you told me when I was 18 that I was gonna live in Sweden and teach yoga and teach something called Reiki, which is a, you know, a Japanese healing technique with your hands and teach people breath work. And I'd be like, you're batshit crazy. <laughs> There's no way that's happening. Um, so I don't know. So I just, 
and let things take me where they need to go. Mm. And it comes back, like we had this, we were going to move to California actually last spring. Mm. And Frederick in the summer of 2019 decided to go back to school. And if he went back to school, that meant that we couldn't move for a while. Mm. And so it was heartbreaking. And I had decided to close down my healing space because we were moving. Um, yeah, and I, and I really wanted to go. I, I was so, you know, talk about home. I felt so homesick for the land I grew up on mm. and for familiarity. That's what I get homesick for the most. Mm. And um, so I, you know, I wanted him to do something that he really wanted to do, which was go back to school. And I was so torn to wanting to go back home too. And so we decided to stay. And then by the time New Year's came, he quit school. And we still couldn't move to California <laughs> because you know we had used a lot of our savings by then. And, and then the pandemic came. Yeah. And we're so grateful that one, that I closed my healing space down because it was incredibly expensive to have. Ooh. And that we decided not to move because we would have had to move back. Yeah. And so like that, like, oh man, like I can't not trust when things like that happen. And I didn't see, I didn't see it while it was happening. Yeah. I didn't see it into like a good, probably into like fall of 2020. Mm. So what would you, if you went back and saw yourself in in that in that hurt in that confusion when it wasn't clear what would have you said to yourself knowing what you know now yeah you know you're always supported mm -hmm. everything is going to work out I read this book recently called everything happens for a reason or like it was really against the phrase everything happens for a reason <laughs> Um, and I loved her perspective and it, it was, it was a strong sell, but I still think everything happens for a reason. Yeah. I think there's many options and there's lots of choices. I think things can happen in multiple different ways and we have multiple different paths. Yeah. So I don't think there's one way, but I think, you know, everything unfolds how it needs to just keep going mm. and check in, keep going and check in. I love something that you say quite often before we start breathing in breath work, which is that you don't always get what you want, but you always get what you need. What you need. <laughs> yeah. I used to say that at the end of yoga classes all the time. And I used to say it because I was petrified that people hated my class. <laughs> so I would tell them, you might not get what you wanted, but you always get what you need. <laughs> like a built-in disclaimer. <laughs> Yeah, but it's always now it feels true. very true. Exactly, mm -hmm. I I I find that so so interesting. Why do you think it is that each breath experience of breath work? Because I spoke about how sacred that first breath work was, and mm -hmm. and it was, and I've had so many beautiful experiences since then, but none has been quite the same as that. As much as I would mm -hmm. wish it to be, I know that perhaps I will oh, never boy. have that experience again. Why, why do you think it, it does differ so much? Oh, I always get envious of people who are trying breath work for the first time. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, there's a before breath work and there's an after breath work. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
but I don't know. I think it can depend on a lot of things. It can depend on how your day was. It can depend on what, what you're moving through in life. It could depend on a conversation you had beforehand. It could depend on the weather. It could depend on the astros, you know, the, what's happening in the stars. It can depend on so many things. Mm-hmm. And, and I think afterwards, like I always say, the first breath work can be hard because we're kind of struggling with, am I doing this right? Is this what I'm supposed to be feeling? The second breath work is the hardest. The second time you practice because there's anticipation yeah. of what we think is going to happen. And that can tow, like, I think that can take me personally out of the experience more than anything else of what I think is going to happen. Mm. And so I often try to say, you know, see if you can stay with whatever experience you're having and let your experience be the experience. Mm. It's, it's certainly my experience of it. I'd, I'd love to talk to you a little bit about, you've mentioned creativity and writing as important parts of the way you connect to yourself and your practice. Um, I also noticed you share a lot of poetry in your work, and I'd love to know how poetry what sort of place that takes in your life how does how does that show up for you it feels like medicine i'm a lover of words even though i can't always find words to express something um and i love the way within poetry how you can string words together and it can mean so much. I don't know, it can, it can take you to so many different feelings within. Yeah. But I, I, I don't know, poetry is just, it's medicine for me. I love, I love to read. And I love to read things that especially feel very healing. And that's poetry for me. And it shows up everywhere. If there was someone listening who hasn't felt connected to poetry before, where would you recommend they start? My first, the first thing that's coming up is Mary Oliver. Start with Mary Oliver. I feel like she has something that will resonate with everyone. She comes from such a grounded and humble place. But maybe poetry is not for everyone. Or maybe it depends on the poetry. You know, I'm talking about poetry that you read. But poetry can be the way birds fly in the sky. Oh, God, it's one of my favorite things to watch. We used to live in a different apartment on the other side of town. And there's these gigantic, um, like, swarms of, I don't think that's the right word, of birds um, in the evening and in the morning. So at dawn and at dusk. And they take over this park that we used to live by. And I love, love, everyone hated them because they poop and everything. (laughs) But I loved hearing them and you could see them. They would just move in the sky together. You know what I mean? Like that, that when you see these hundreds of birds move through the sky together. One of my teachers calls it a God moment. But for me, like that is poetry. And there's no words involved. Some people might call it magic. Some some people might call it holy. You know, some people might call it a God moment. 
But for me, that's poetry. Thanks for listening to Like a Prayer with me, Alexandra Lemke, and our guest, Michelle Baker. If you would like to try breathwork, and I so recommend that you do, I've put all the links to Michelle's work in the show notes. See you next Monday.